Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Today on the podcast, we got a special show. We're going to talk to uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber about what's been going on at the latest USC summer workouts. So some, now we can talk to the players. So a lot of different stuff going on down there at USC. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 206 206- Eight 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 six seven five five, or go right to our website peristylepodcast.com leave us a voicemail right on the left side of the page right from your computer so real easy ways to get a hold of us uh, we're going to talk to Dan in a second but I just wanted to thank our sponsor uh, Michael Moline Real Estate uh, check him out uh, he's a USC Trojan grad a big Trojan fan he loves listening to the podcast and wanted to come and help us out so he said he would sponsor our Tuesday show so we really appreciate that We'll have a, a, a more detailed message from him at the end of the show, so check that out. But if you want to, you can go to his website, uh, michaelmalinerealestate.com. It's pretty simple. Or you can give him a call at 310-275-4688. All right, without further ado, let's bring in Dan Weber, uscfootball.com beat writer. What's going on, Dan? Oh, pretty good. Uh, getting getting an earlier start now. We're getting us ready for, uh, for September. And uh, actually, we're getting ready for uh, some of the... Uh, Preseason practice is going to go real early, so uh, these early. Yeah, they. Uh, this is this is how it's going to be. Uh, they're they're getting an early start. Yeah, they got a little break uh, for the Fourth of July weekend, and then came back on Tuesday. And uh, actually, it was a travel day for me. I'm up in Oregon for the opening, so that's why we're doing uh, a later version of the. It's still a Tuesday podcast. It's just going to go up a little bit later uh, on a Tuesday, and uh, I want to let people know too. Uh, we've we've switched our companies that's hosting the podcast to a company called Audio Boom. So we're still playing with that a little bit, but there's going to be an app. There'll be all kinds of fun stuff you can do to access the uh, podcast. But we'll still upload peristylepodcast.com, and they'll still be up on uscfootball.com. And uh, Dan, yeah, so after the Fourth of July break, now it's real time to get ready for fall camp. Um, you know, getting these guys they're they're doing the early morning workouts. Going to start throwing uh, at different times in the morning instead of um, afternoons. And like you mentioned, and maybe we can talk about this a little bit. Uh, during the season, it's going to be early morning practices. But like you, you, you hinted at, you might see some of that during uh, during camp as well. No, yeah, they're going to uh, because of uh, the later start this year, and you know, they'll be getting into the uh, into class earlier. And they'll be, uh, I think once they get to class, we're, we're looking at probably eight o'clock practices. So, uh, and then, uh, and, you know, during the season, uh, it worked, actually worked pretty well last year, uh, you know, in terms of grades and things like that. They had the, the best, you know, the previous time they tried it under Lane, it didn't work out so well academically, but, uh, it worked well last year for Sark. And, uh, so, uh, so I think uh, we're going to be looking at you know a lot of early mornings. Yeah, I, I you know I don't mind the early morning practices for me. It kind of like it's almost like we have a regular job. You get up in the morning and and go to work, and then you can do work throughout the rest of the day. When you have the afternoon practices, it's 
you're working late into the night. Not that we don't anyway, but um, what do you think about the practice, I guess, just for, for what we do and then also for the team, if you think it helps? I thought it was interesting today. They uh, they did the team run. I'm doing that at 6 o'clock. So, I mean, they're really – I was talking to, you know, the managers uh, have to be there at 5.15. And, and so, you know, we we have it easy in terms of early morning. <laughs> One thing you notice is uh, uh, they don't hang around, and there's a lot more probably fun and games and giggling and, and all of that when they have the break and then they came back at 5.30. Uh, it's, a, it's a different sense. It, it seems more like a you know business-like and a job uh, because then they're heading off to the rest of the day, uh, whether it's class or weightlifting or all the different things they've got to do. Uh, so actually, even though it's early, early in the morning, it just seems, uh, you know, like there's, there's more going on and more to do than when they, uh, when they have the summer workouts in the evening. So, uh, kind of like the evening, just cause you feel like you've got a little more time, uh, in the summer. Now, during the school year, uh, one of the, the negatives for us, I think, is uh, a lot of the kids do have class. And I'd say you're, um, you know, it's the day Tuesday and you're allowed to talk to the offense. And yet some of the really important offensive players have um, uh, class, uh, you know, right after practice. Uh, and we had that last year where, you know, some of the players, you just couldn't, they weren't available on the days when you were supposed to talk to them. So there are some, you know, logistical kind of problems, scheduling problems that way. But uh, but the players seemed to make the best of it last year, and uh, it didn't hurt the freshmen as much. Uh, so I'm thinking that probably means they, they got enough sleep, uh, which has always been an issue if you're going to have those real early practices. Is You know, do they, do they go crash after practice? And or sleep through class or or whatever, and uh, they seem to be handling it pretty well. Dan, the uh, other thing about these July workouts is there's kind of this arbitrary uh, rule now that we are not allowed to talk to the players during these workouts in June, but once July rolls around, we are allowed to talk to the players. So um, you were I, mean, I wasn't there this morning because I was flying up here for the opening, but um, you and and uh, Shotgun and Keeley were out there for USCFootball.com. Got to talk to the the players and stuff. And I know that you had a, a good story up on USCFootball.com. Come and give them a recap. But maybe some of the you know highlights of of some of the guys you talked to and what was interesting. Well, I think it was interesting that you know here we are, the kind of the first of the July practices heading into 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 fall practice, and uh, and Cody was at the uh, at the opening and. Uh, so, uh, Max Brown got to basically, this was his practice and he got to take over. And I think it just kind of, you know, symbolized the fact that you expect Max to be able to be that guy now. He expects to be that guy. I think his teammates look at him as that guy. So I think there was some, you know, nice symbolism in, in the very first practice in July that Max got to be, you know, the guy that was kind of in charge and, working with the three freshman quarterbacks and working with, you know, all the different play calls and what have you. So I, th- I think that worked out well. Um, talked to Jordan Simmons, talked about, you know, how he's considering himself, you know, kind of a, uh, a rookie starting all over and that, you know, that it was a, 
a decision that he made, and he had to get Sark to approve it, and then he had to get kind of the, the D-line people to approve his ability, you know, to go from offensive lineman to a nose tackle. Uh, he's 6'4", uh, and he's down to 331. He he got up as high because we used to kid about it because he couldn't practice last year with that knee, and he just kept getting bigger and bigger. And he did admit at first he said, I can't tell you when I asked him. I said, how, much, how big did you get last year? Turns out he got to 368 pounds. Wow. So he's down, you know, 37 pounds right now. And uh, he's a size that USC hasn't had in a nose tackle. And I, I did say, well, you know, the good thing is you'll be a senior next year. And because uh, everybody's focused on next year and the first game in Alabama. And I said, the only other upperclassman will be, uh, you know, Kenny Bigelow will be a redshirt junior. And uh, and Jordan said, well, he said, I'm not sure I'm going to look at next year. right now. He said, I've got a lot to learn this year. He said, I consider myself a freshman. I'm working on all the. The mechanics, working with, uh, Kenichi Yudezi on, uh, on all his mechanics and his basic fundamentals to playing defensive linemen, the hand placement and footwork and so much different than, than it is with an offensive lineman. But I like his attitude and he's got a size and athleticism USC has not really seen in a nose tackle. So, uh, so I think that's, that's pretty positive. And, uh, Shotgun talked to Chris Hawkins. He said that, you know, you've kind of had a switch there with Chris going to cornerback to safety and, uh, and Leon McQuay going from safety to corner. And Chris said one of the things that's helping him learn the safety position is he's been spending a lot of time working with the, the new guys with, uh, you know, Achille Ross and, 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 and Biggie Marshall. And he said, uh, especially when he's working with, with, say, Achille as a safety, it's helping uh, Chris learn the position. He said, it's oh. kind of when you're teaching it or when you're at least working with a younger guy, he said it kind of gets you looking at it a, a whole different way. And he said, that's a good thing. He said, it's really helped him. Yeah, good stuff there. So definitely check out the uh, story on uscfootball.com and his ghost notes up on the peristyle. Um, one of the, the new phases we kind of keep reporting when – new guys come out there, and I know you got to see Isaiah Langley, uh, I guess the last new guy from the secondary, uh, show up at, at, at the work. I don't know if you got to see him too much, but what did what did he look like for you? Not much. I do know this, that, that there was one busted coverage, and um, uh, one of the, the walk-on kids caught a touchdown pass, and I know uh, John Plattenberg immediately was working with Isaiah to kind of describe it. And, you know, you get thrown in there like day one, it's like, wow, you know, it's what you're expected to do in that. But I do think they've done a pretty good job of, you know, incorporating those guys and just saying, you know, get out there and, and we'll work with you. And the, uh, the upperclassmen are, are doing a nice job of that. But, uh, yeah, it, this was not a day when you really got to notice, uh, a whole lot of people. I think they were, they were just struggling to get through the day. I mean, this is their first back to back where they did the team run and then the, uh, throwing session. And, uh, I think it was an adjustment and it was, uh, fairly quiet and business-like. And, uh, it was one of those where, you know, they're just saying, we're going to get through this. But, uh, but that was a, and they all said that the team run was really tough today. So, um, uh, they, uh, 
they worked their way through it. But, you know, at the end, for example, on the jugs machine, where we've had, you know, how many guys? Uh, you know, you had as many as 25 or so staying around and tight ends and defensive backs and even a linebacker or two and, uh, and quarterbacks. And today there were uh, two kids, Deontay Burnett and uh, uh, Christian Tober, were the only two that stayed to work on the jugs gun. So uh, their times were, were hanging out a little bit today. <laughs> One of the uh, storylines from last week, um, we put up a video of you know the highlights from the, the the last workout of June, and got to see Tyler Petit out there um, for the first time. And you know, you know, big looking kid. He looks older than you know an 18 year old freshman or incoming freshman. Um, and I think when we put the video up on the site, Dan, and a lot of the comments were. Okay, I feel a lot better about the uh, the tight end position, but uh, it's not just him. I mean, there's a lot more depth there now than I guess we thought. But uh, having a true freshman, a talented true freshman like that come in, I think certainly helps. Yeah, and, I, and talking to Max today, and he was talking about the tight ends, and he basically just went and said, uh, "Connor Spears is the leader on the tight end group." He just flat out said it, you know, and he. You know, he's 6'6", 252, smart as can be, and catches everything. You know, I mean, what's not to like? I mean, he'd have a scholarship if if there was any way they could give him one. They can't give him one until uh, January. But, um, you know, don't get many uh, tight ends of that quality. You know, and a kid transferring from Columbia, so he's an Ivy League kid. Um, you know, you just, uh, you know, Pretty nice position to be in, but you're right. Uh, Tyler looks like he, he would look old if he was in an, on an NFL team. And he's just got that, that, that look about him. Uh, the thing I liked about him so much is he catches the ball so smoothly, so easily. I mean, it just looks like it's, you know, he's got that hand-eye coordination that you see baseball players, you know, where it's not, he's not fighting the ball, he's not fighting it. He just catches it smoothly, you know, on the run, on the jump. However, he just looks like he's got really, really good hands. And I do remember the video that I saw him and, and seeing him in the state, you know, championship game and all that kind of thing. That's the thing that jumped out at you is this is a guy that looks like he's got those baseball player hands. And uh, you'd really like that. If you can get a tight end that's, you know, 6'5 and, and 235, as a young guy, and, uh, you know, he's got a lot, a lot, you know, he's not a sick kid. He's not a, you know, where he looks like he's a finished product. Uh, so, you know, I would think on his frame, he could put on a, a decent amount of weight if, if they want him to do that. But, uh, he's got all the ball skills, I think, that you really want in a, in an athlete. Um, we had a question from Tarek on summer workouts, Dan, and he says, as you observe these summer throwing sessions, does it appear to you that we are practicing at an up-tempo pace, excuse me, at an up-tempo pace that will transition into the season to running an up-tempo offense? Last year, it was so obvious that they were working hard to go up-tempo and keeping track of the plays and that. I think the big difference is they know how to do that without making it look like they're working really hard at it. Uh, it just is the way they're doing it. Uh, whether that'll, 
One would think so. I mean, you know, last year the the whole issue was so much of the second half anyway uh, in ball games was that they were so worried they'd go three and out, throw the ball three times, clock wouldn't move, and they defense would have to be on the field longer. Now, you know, that didn't bother me. I would have said do whatever you have to do that's best, play fast, throw the ball, you know, score some points. And, you know, have long drives. You know, and, and just do, I think they outthought themselves uh, a little bit and tried to run the ball when they couldn't or when they were, you know, teams were set up to stop the run or they were just convinced that they could stop USC from running the ball. They were, you know, going to have a good chance. And I think this year, they ought to be able to do whatever they want to do offensively, and they have to be able to run the football. But they shouldn't be running the football just because, you know, it's the second half and we want to, you know, if you want to run wear people down and all that, that's fine. But they've got to be able to run the ball. Uh, they got to be able to power it. But if they want to throw the ball 60 times a game, I'm, I'm fine if that's what they really, you know, can do well against somebody. Uh, you know, don't outthink yourself. Don't out, you know, uh, game plan yourself and, uh, and do some of the things, you know, they did last year. I mean, I thought they, I thought the, you know, the couple of times they went all out. I mean, it was Fresno State and and you saw them do some of that in the first half of a lot of games where they just doubled the score on people. And then you saw them do it against Notre Dame and they kind of did it against Nebraska. And I don't think it ever failed them when they went up tempo. Uh, you know, Cody's, you know, excellent at that. Gives them a chance to, you know, bring guys in and, you know, off the field and on the field. And, uh, um, I'm a big believer in, you know, if you're going to do it, you got to do it. I don't, I don't know that you can practice up tempo, talk up tempo, think up tempo, and then slow it down. Uh, I'm just, unless you really, really can block the run. And last year they couldn't, uh, and maybe they can do that this year if they can really, really block the run. They ought to have a chance to be able to do it. But, uh, but I think the transition will be smoother this year in every, every part of the game. I just think those guys are used to it now and they can do it if, if USC chooses to do it. And I think they will. All right. Dan Weber, USCfootball.com beat writer giving you a report from USC's latest summer throwing session. Thanks a lot, Dan, for coming on the show. Uh, you've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Here's a quick message from our sponsor, Michael Moline Realty. Most people know that buying or selling real estate is no small undertaking. Understanding the market value of your home, pricing, advertising, closing, and perhaps even selling personal property along the way are all examples of the real estate journey. And Michael Moline Real Estate has the experience to help make that journey an enjoyable one. Southern California real estate inventories are at historic lows, so there is no better time than now to sell your residential property. Whether you're moving into a bigger home or downsizing, personal property is often a component of the real estate 
estate transaction. Michael Moline Real Estate has industry expertise to help you with both your real property and your personal property as you get ready to transition. Michael Moline Real Estate specializes in properties located on the west side of Los Angeles and the southern San Fernando Valley communities. Allow Michael Moline Real Estate to give you a free comparative market analysis and home valuation so you know how much your home is worth today. Contact Michael Moline at michaelmolinerealestate.com. That's Michael, M-O-L-I-N-E, realestate.com. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.